and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. All right, you ready for the word? I'm ready. I am ready. I've titled this word, Up to Jerusalem. Up to Jerusalem. Um, Funny name. Hopefully it makes more sense as we go on. We're going to turn our um, eyes to the screen. We're going to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 to 13. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 to 13. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Such an interesting, um, an interesting scripture. So the story of Abram or Abraham goes something along the lines of this. Um, he's, a, he's a man and he gets a promise with, from God. And we read that in Genesis chapter 12, verses one to three. Um, this is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here is a man who receives the promises of God like many of us. In the room today, every single person, whether we know it or not yet, you have divine promises of God all over your life. He is waiting to give you promise after promise after promise after promise. You read Scripture and every one of those promises are for you. There's not one person who's disqualified. There's not one situation that has pulled you out of being eligible for the promises of God. They're for everyone. And here Abram is smack bang in the middle of the will of God for his life, literally walking step by step to his promise and he encounters a famine. And I want to point out today that the presence of a famine or an obstacle in your life does not mean that you are out of the will of God. In fact, I actually think, look, uh, I'm hypothesising here, but very often in my own life, if I speak from my own experience, that when God gives you a promise, it's actually not that long after that you encounter a famine. (laughs) Okay, it's just, and and I hope that that just brings some solidarity for you. You're not alone. It's not just you. It's every person who gets a promise. And I, 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 little bit, there's a little part of me that enjoys seeing it written down in the Bible. It's not just me. He encounters a famine and an obstacle in his, in his journey towards the promise of God for his life. And so Abram thinks to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll get myself out of the famine and I'll go down to Egypt. And so he takes his wife and he walks on into Egypt where there was no famine. There was instant gratification. There was instantaneously food. His problems in the very, very, very short term were instantly solved. But not too long after he is walking into Egypt, he realises, I've got a beautiful wife. 
and this wife of mine is going to get me killed because the Egyptians will want to marry my wife. So because he went down to Egypt, because he thought to himself, I've got, a, I've got a plan to instantaneously get me out of my obstacle, get me out of my challenge, get me out of my famine. If I've, I've come up with a great, brilliant solution to get out of the challenge, of God, uh, the challenge that I've got in my life right now. But then along the way, he encounters another challenge. And that is, this scheme of his is going to get him killed. And I find it so interesting that scheming leads to more scheming, leads to more scheming. The more we, in our minds, decide, I know what to do, I'll think this out and I will plan this out. I will figure out how to get rid of the famine in my life. I will figure out, it can't be the will of God that I've got this challenge. It can't be the will of God that I'm in lack. It can't be the will of God. So I will scheme my way out of the challenge. But all it leads to is another scheme and another problem and another problem. And down in Egypt, though there was instant, satisfa- instant satisfaction and, um, of, his, of his immediate problem, medium and long term, he was just creating more and more and more problems for himself. I find it interesting as I read my, my Bible that it often refers going down to Egypt but when it speaks of Jerusalem, it's often up to Jerusalem. I, I've, and I've realised in my life that every time I have a problem, every time that I have a challenge, every time that I encounter something that really doesn't suit my life right now, I've got an option. I've got an option. I can either go down to Egypt and I can attempt to scheme my way out of this thing take my life into my own hands and figure out how am I going to fix this? But spoiler alert, it often just leads to more schemes and more problems and more schemes and more problems. It is exhausting. Or I can go up to Jerusalem. I can go to the presence of God and I can say, I don't understand why I've got this famine in my life. I don't understand why I've got this challenge in my life, but God, I have faith that You have a solution and a direction and a way forward. I've got faith. A couple of, a a very couple of short things. The presence of problems doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Problems often appear after promises. I would say this, God uses problems in our lives to teach us amazing things. But the problem is not solved. I love K-I-D-S. And every time they L-A-U-G-H. Every time I encounter a problem, I have a choice. Do I go down to Egypt? That symbolises the world's ways, the genius of society, the world's riches, entices you because it looks like instant relief? Or do I go up to Jerusalem where I can get God's wisdom and God's instruction? Three, three points for us today. Number one, scheming is exhausting, but prayer is powerful and full of rest. Scheming is exhausting, 
but prayer is powerful and full of rest. I just want to put it plainly. And I think I'm just like airing something on the inside of all of us. Scheming is exhausting. The weight of our lives and the weight of our problems and the weight of the direction and the weight of the solution on our shoulders, all it does is exhaust us. But prayer, when I go to prayer, I find rest and I find power. I, um, I remember um, I was, was travelling and uh, I, I caught a ferry to an island and I was very displeased by the price I paid, very displeased. So on the way back, I thought I'm gonna do whatever I can to find a cheaper price. And so there I was, I left the, the, um, I left the, the um, tourist zone and I went to the cargo zone, like where they did all the cargo moving and stuff. And I got myself for very cheap, like one or two euro, onto a cargo ship. Okay, three hours onto this journey, I started to realise I probably just should have paid the 11 euros. Was this worth nine euros? Then when I got dropped off in the port of Napoli, in the most dodgy, dodgy place I've ever been in, I, don't tell my mum this, I was, I was 16 on exchange, had no idea where I was, honestly believed that I thought I was about to be, you know, K-I-L-L-E-D. <laughs> Scheming's exhausting. Stop taking it into our own hands. Come on, church. You've got challenges in your life. I've got significant obstacles. There are areas of my life where it feels like a famine. But I've got to resist the urge to go down to Egypt. I've got to resist the urge to take it into my own hands because it's the plan of the enemy to exhaust me. It's the plan of the enemy that to create a bigger famine in my life and it is a downward spiral. But the will of God for each of us is that we would go to Him in prayer. I want to encourage you that if you can't even, even muster the words, sit down in prayer. Just sit there in the presence of God and say to Him, God, I'm exhausted. I don't know how to figure out this solution anymore. Without really even any words, I sit there early in the morning and I put some worship music on and I just let God minister to me. And I don't even have to speak. Yet I feel rest and I feel power coming into this situation. Second thought is this. There is always a way and always a always time to go up to Jerusalem. There is always a way and always time to go up to Jerusalem. Now, there is one thing, I don't know where I got it from, it is ingrained in me, I hate being ripped off. Okay? I hate being ripped off. Now, it means that when I travel to, to um, countries where they like barter, okay, I, it's a recipe for disaster, okay? That's why I like Australia so much is it's just like one price and it's fair for everyone. But I always think I'm being ripped off when I have to barter. But it gets to the point where if I get a bad coffee, you know what I mean? The injustice that I feel that I paid $4 for this. So much injustice. 
The temptation is to believe is that we don't go to prayer because we don't think it's going to work. We don't make the time for prayer because we think that we could better use the time because it won't be worth it. It won't be the cost. But can I tell you, every time you go up to Jerusalem, every time you make space for, to go up to Jerusalem with that problem or challenge or, or need that isn't met, every time you go up, I promise you, it will be worth it. Jesus Christ is waiting there in that, in that, in that upper Jerusalem. And He's saying, if you come to me, if you make space for me, I promise you, you won't be without. I won't leave you without a word. I won't leave you without peace. I won't leave you without perspective. Every time, every time we go up to Jerusalem, God answers. Jeremiah 29 verse 12. And then my people will call on my name and I will listen to them. Can I encourage you, church, you won't be left without. You won't leave that time being only five minutes, 15 minutes, thinking, I wish I didn't do that. How many times have I ripped myself off from the peace, power, and presence of God? <laughs> and wasted time elsewhere. When if I had given it to him, he would have taken it and blessed it. There is always a way. Go to the toilet cubicle, sit in your car, get up early, stay up late, turn off the TV, Jackson, get off social media, go for a walk, there is always a way. Yes. Not very good at praying? It's okay. You don't even have to use words. Yeah. Yeah. New to faith? That's okay. You'll be really surprised at how much God talks to you. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are, what situation, how bad it's gotten, how long it's been since you've been in the presence of God. He'll never leave you with that. This is a terrible waste of $4 for this coffee. He'll never do it. He'll never do it. Not once, he'll never do it. Church, there's always a way and there's always time. I get the excuses. I get the world is busy. I get that sometimes it's easier to bury our heads in the sand and just occupy ourselves with eating the, the, the food of Egypt. At least it's instant gratification. At least I'm getting something. You know what I mean? I, I get it. It's easier not to face the disappointment sometimes. I get it, but he'll never leave us thinking, wish I didn't do that. It's always worth going to God in prayer. Third thought is this, Jesus made a way for Jerusalem to come to you. Jesus made a way for Jerusalem to come to you. The grace of God, I just can't believe it. I cannot believe the grace of God. At our leaders retreat, we came around a time of communion and, um, and this, this worship at this leaders retreat just kept going and going and going and it was the most beautiful time in the presence of God. I personally feel so, so, so refreshed, right? Um, and God just encouraged me that as I was taking communion, that you know the power of communion 
takes him back to that first moment where I hadn't done anything for him yet. I hadn't prayed the perfect prayer yet. I hadn't worked for him yet. I hadn't served him yet. Yet he still saved me on that night at youth before I had done anything. And that's his grace, church. That's his grace. That this isn't an earning game. This isn't, you have to work for this. That Jesus Christ, you know, we talk about going to God in prayer. He, owes, he doesn't owe us coming to us. He doesn't owe us that He should come down and meet with us, yet He chooses to every single time. And He brings Jerusalem down to you. And I have found myself time and time and time again as a teenager, growing up, figuring out faith, figuring out how to do the God life on my discipleship journey, right? And I have been in the deepest, darkest depths of either sin or discouragement or wherever I find myself. Yet Jesus Christ figures out a way to get the presence of God into the darkest situation, into the darkest situation. And the kicker is I put myself there and He still figures out to how to come down and reach down and give me the presence of God and pull me up out of that hole. I remember, um, I remember one particular time a few years ago, probably 2017, 2018, where I was feeling the pressure I was feeling the pressure. I was um, just recently, like I was, I was like, you know, entering, leaving that young adult, like that early young adult stage. And now I was carrying significant pressure in my world. And I had so much to do. I felt like I was working seven days a week all the time. And the whole, all of these challenges that I was facing and all the pressure, you know, all the pressure that I was facing, I knew in the back of my head, if you prayed, you'd love yourself. Like I could, I could just, it was just there, that niggling thought. You know, I was telling myself how important I am, how busy I am, figure it out, strategize, go down to Egypt, figure out how to do it, all right? And but in the back of my head, I knew God was saying, just pray, just pray. And I just wouldn't make time for Him. I would not make time for Him. What was I thinking? I don't know. I just would not make time for God. One day, it got to like crushing point. And finally, I said yes to the Holy Spirit. I remember being in my house, my mum's house in Kurnell, and where I used to pray is along the beach at Kurnell. I used to tell everyone that it was a toxic beach so that, um, so that people would stay away from Kurnell. Um, <laughs> um, also, did you hear about the diesel spill at Kurnell? Yeah, I said, Mum, scoop some up for me. Petrol's expensive. Um, <laughs> now it really is a toxic beach, so stay away from there. I remember being in my house, putting in my earphones with worship music on, and I thought, okay, finally, I'm going to go to the presence of God. Finally. I remember opening, I, I can't tell you how much pressure I felt in that situation. Like it was, and, and you probably know your own version of this, right? So much pressure, so much internally going on, couldn't figure out what I was feeling. I was about to buckle under the pressure. Twisted the doorknob of my mum's house and stepped out and immediately, like instantaneously, the peace and presence of God that hit me. And I, I realised He can bring it to me straight away. He, as soon as I call on the name of Jesus, I shall be saved. As soon as I call on His name, I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. I don't, 
kicker. I know I'm, I'm contradicting myself. I don't even have to go to Him. He brings it to me. All I have to do is acknowledge Him. All I have to do is make a little bit of space for Him. And there the presence of God was. And it reminds me of that story, uh, that, that verse, James chapter 4, verse 8. Reminds you that verse. Come near to God and He will come near to you. He has figured out a way to get the, you don't have to go to a city. You don't have to go on a pilgrimage. You don't have to do something religious. All you've got to do is call on the Name of Jesus and He comes to you right there. This story of Zacchaeus, it's really gripped my heart. It's really gripped my heart. The man is, he's, he, he's a self-confessed cheater, thief. The people look at him when he's eating with Jesus and they say, this guy is a notorious sinner. This guy's terrible. His curiosity, the fact that he just opened up his heart a little bit to the presence of God. If you're in this room today and you're thinking, is this too good to be true? Number one, it's not. And then you're thinking to yourself, really for me? Could that really be for me? This guy was a notorious sinner, notorious. But he had a little open heart towards God. He had a curiosity, maybe just a centimetre opening in in this heart of his. But the crowd, so he wanted to get a look at Jesus, but the crowd wouldn't let him through. Of course, they're looking behind at this short little Zacchaeus who couldn't see over the crowd and thinking, no way I'm gonna let this notorious sinner rob me of my miracle. All right, so the curiosity drives him up the sycamore fig tree to get a look at Jesus, right? And as he's looking at Jesus walking past, out of everyone that Jesus notices, it's not particularly a surprise that He notices the guy in the tree. However, it is a surprise when He goes, not person up the tree, not who's that person doing the undignified act? Who's that person being weird? He looks up and He goes, Zacchaeus. Calls Him by name and then says, Zacchaeus, I must eat at your house today. A little openness to the Holy Spirit when we're in trouble. A little bit of curiosity to Jesus saying, God, I know, I don't know how, but I know You can help me in this situation. A little bit of an open heart. Do you know what Jesus' response to you is? He says, I'm gonna eat with you. I'm gonna spend time with your house. I'm gonna come and minister to your soul. I'm gonna come on the inside and I'm gonna renew everything. And then Zacchaeus stands up at the dinner table and says, I've done some bad things in my life, but it's time for restoration. I'm gonna repay everyone I cheated. And if I did cheat them, I'm gonna give them back four times as much. And restoration entered this man's life and it all started with just a little open heart. It didn't even take very much. A little open heart. But Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? may be some Zacchaeuses where you don't know Jesus. (laughs) You feel like 
Not that anyone else in the room is thinking this, but you may feel like, wow, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve Him. And you came here just to get a little look. Just to figure out a little bit, what is this all about? Well, right now I'm believing that the presence of God will minister to you. Because Jesus, when when He sees you trying to get a look, He says, I'll come and eat with you. I'll come and spend time with you. I'll come and minister to you. I'll come and help you make everything right. I'll come and be with you. Doesn't matter what you've done or how far you feel like you've strayed from the goodness of God. It doesn't matter how many regrets you have in your life. It doesn't matter how impossible you feel your situation may be. Jesus Christ, He's so good. He's so good. He says, Man, sir, He calls you by name. And He says, I want to spend time with you. I remember the day that I opened my heart to Jesus. I came in a little bit curious, but I left completely transformed. I remember that day so clearly. And the best way that I can describe it was that a black and white world turned to colour all around. Don't continue in a black and white life. Don't continue in a scheming life. You were never made to carry the pressure of your entire world. You are not God. He does not require that of you. Oh, you are gonna so enjoy being connected to the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, the counsellor. He's our director, He's our shepherd. We follow Him. And He leads you into health, wholeness and restoration. God's speaking to some people today. Today is a good day for you. It is such a good day for you. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that He has risen from the dead, you shall be saved. To help you Do this. If this is what you're choosing to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and our whole church is going to pray it with you. You're not praying to me or an auditorium or to an atmosphere. You're praying to the Holy Spirit. And I know you can feel the Holy Spirit with you right now. That is the Holy Spirit. He's saying, let me in. He's saying, today is your day. Come on, today is your day. No more scheming, no more um, Egypt, no more um, instant satisfaction that just, um, just creates another need, another need, a downward spiral. He says, no, today is your day. Life and life more abundantly. No more scheming, no more the weight of the world on your shoulders. No, today's a new day for you. So we're going to help you pray this prayer. And we're going to help you open your heart and receive Jesus in. So our whole church is going to help you pray this prayer. Ready? Repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I believe that you are Lord, that you came to earth, lived a righteous life, hung on the cross 
to pay the price for my sin and rose again victorious to give me new life. Today, I receive salvation and the Holy Spirit with every head bowed and every eye closed. It's a very special moment for people. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it. You're opening up your heart to Jesus. It's a great day. I wanna know who it was that prayed that prayer. I wanna congratulate you, I wanna celebrate you. I wanna pray for you. And I wanna get a Bible into your hands. So to help me do that, on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time and you meant it, I'm gonna get you to lift your hand up real quickly. Give me a wave. I'll tell you congratulations and you can put it straight back down. All right, so on the count of three, I know that there were many people in the room today and it, it, today symbolises the end of an era, the end of scheming and the start of a new life with Jesus. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, on the count of three, ready? One, two, three, lift up your hand for me. Awesome over here, awesome over here, awesome over here. So good, amazing up there. This is brilliant, so good, amazing up there. So, so thankful that you're in our service today, sir. Come on, who else today? That's amazing, amazing. Four or five adults, four or five children. Come on, today is a good day in the house of God. Who else today? And you're saying, yes, I'm opening up my heart to Jesus. And I wanna congratulate, amazing up there. Proud of you, young man. So proud of you, awesome up there. I see your hand, that is so cool. Um, Who else today? As I look around the room one more time, I love this, I love this. Amazing young man up there, so proud of you. We love you, mate. So cool, so cool. Today's a great day in the house of God. Church, there were so many people who lifted up their hand and opened up their heart to Christ today. Can we give them, can we just celebrate them? Come on, let's just give them the most massive round of applause. This is what it's all about. There is, there is, this is it. This is peak life. There is nothing greater than this. Come on, let's celebrate them today. This is a great day. This is a great day. This is a great day. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.